This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and welcome to MS Momentum, the radio show for people with MS, their family, whanau and support teams in the second of our two-part series on health and disability advocacy. Gillian is going to go through the discuss the 10 rights that are on that are your rights when receiving health and disabilities or a disability service. So Gillian, nice to have you back again. Thank you. Good to see you again. <laughs> would you like to start with I number would. one? Actually, I'm going to go backwards. Oh, I'm going, going to backwards. go pre-number one. <gasps> and if uh, people out there have access to the White Code of Rights pamphlet, which is the legislation in, in a pamphlet, really worth while getting. They're um, available in the hospital foyer, all sorts of okay. places. Every doctor surgery, you'll, you'll find them. But you can get them online as well. It says that everybody receiving a service has these 10 rights, but it says anybody providing a health or a disability service has two responsibilities. Oh, right, okay. And so I do a lot of staff training. Yep. um, And I'm always saying to people, this is the document that provides quality in what you do. So Mm. whereas we think it's our rights as consumers, for providers it's telling them how they need to deliver their services to make sure it's a quality service. So the requirements, the responsibilities for people providing a service, very, very um, minimal if you like. One, they need to know and abide by the Code of Rights, so they need to be familiar with it. And secondly, if concerns are raised, they need to be able to let people know how they can resolve their concerns, including contacting the Health and Disability Advocacy Service. So again, I think last time we talked about that the poster that's on the walls everywhere Mm. you go, it's a legal requirement that providers let their consumers know about this legislation. So often the way they do that is putting the red Code of Rights poster on the wall and job done. And we said previously, actually, that's not enough for yeah. lots of people and lots of reasons. Um, just having an old poster on the wall doesn't mean that you've communicated with your group. So, so yes, we all have the 10 rights, including people providing services, but people uh, providing, sorry, everybody receiving services has those rights, including people who are providing them. But additionally, they need to make sure that they're um, up to speed themselves and notifying their, their users of services that they have these rights. So that's that. I'm ticking those boxes by Mm. sending this out. (laughs) Very good. And it's going on awe, so, you know, we'll be fine. Okay. Well, um, (laughs) I will launch in then. So the first right is the right to be treated with respect. Mm -hmm. And this links in with the Human Rights Act and the... Never mind, it will come back. And so it's talking about not people not feeling discriminated against on any grounds, whether it might be religion or gender or marital status or union affiliation or whatever. But more generally, when you bring it back to health or disability, that we feel that we're being treated just the same as anybody else. And yeah. so an example of this... Um, might be that people would come to our service saying that uh, they are, they have a diagnosis of, let's say, schizophrenia, mm. but that if they present to ED with a broken toe, um, they feel that their mental health history is... is um, in the room with them, even though yeah. nobody's necessarily it's, mentioning it. So yeah. so the fact that you should not feel you're being treated differently to anybody else, that you should be treated always with respect. Um, one thing that we do hear a lot of is that people now use Dr. Google and they Google. they might turn up to their GP mm. and with a wart on their knee, which they are convinced is actually a tumour or something else because they've yeah. Googled it. And what we say when we're talking to these um professional staff is of course whether or not it's completely ludicrous as to what the person thinks it must be 
delivered with respect. You know, it's great that you're interested in your own health care. However, mm. in this situation, I'm 100% confident that it's not a tumour and it is, in fact, a ward. Yes, so, I, I, doc, I hate Dr. Google. It's great that people are getting involved. And for those of you out there who, like me, have managed my health, mm. I mean, the whole idea is that it's a partnership now and that we engage as as patients with our health professionals. And, of course, we can email them or text them. It's, it's quite it's a different good. relationship than I grew up with with our GPs and mm. mothers or their GP knew all. Well, it's, this might be a good opportunity to mention the Treaty of Waitangi because I usually, mm. I always bring that in, but usually a bit later on. But the triple P's from the treaty, the protection, participation and partnership, yeah. the protection is what we expect when we go and receive a service, whether mm. it's our GP or our dentist. We expect them to be keeping us safe. But the participation and the partnership, we need to bring to it as patients. We, yeah. need, to be, we need to be contributing, particularly in things like what's going to happen next. You know, we need to be asking these questions. Am I being referred for an MRI? How long is the waiting list? When should I hear? So that if there has been a big delay, we can be active and say, hang on a minute, I should have heard by now. Can you find out what's happening? Yeah, and, and funnily enough, I get lots of people who are being told they're going to get an MRI or something similar, and they're not told how long the wait list is. Ah, well, when we get to right six, <laughs> <laughs> remind me of that. Mm. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go there now. Right six says that everybody is entitled to honest and accurate answers to questions about qualifications of people providing services, um, costs, benefits, risks, including time frame. So there's a legal requirement to be given a time frame. Now, it might be within the next six weeks. It doesn't mm. have to be on the 2nd of February. But to be told you're just on a list is, is not sufficient. So under right six, people can request that. Yeah, and um, to be, it was last year 19 weeks to wait for an MRI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really long. And 19 weeks is an incredibly long time to be waiting totally. for something. Totally. And I think COVID has thrown things. It has. It was before COVID. It has. And there are, there are other options we might say to people, you know, have you thought about perhaps um, seeing if you can get one in a different region? Their, their waiting oh, okay. list might be shorter. You might have to pay your own transport. But, mm. you know, there, there will always be um, other, other things options. to think about. Okay, second right says that you should be treated fairly. So this is the right that says nobody sh- should feel bullied or pressured into, or harassed into doing something they don't want to do. Mm. Um, this is the only of one of the ten rights that deals with money. So it says oh, okay. that you should not feel financially exploited exploited. So if I need my hearing aid repaired and I'm told it's $50 and I go in to collect it and they say it's 180 because we had to do X, Y, Z, I won't be paying that. I gave oh. my verbal consent to a $50 repair and I should have been notified that actually we found it needs more work and what do you want us to do about it? So oh, that's interesting mm-hmm. because that would happen more than one would like to think it happens. We don't get very many coming uh, our way under financial exploitation, but it's just worth people remembering Mm. that if there is something where they feel they've been, they've paid over the odds for something where they really didn't expect it to be like that. Actually, one of the cases that has, that I do recall under this one was where somebody's web page was so out of date that their fees were completely irrelevant and that somebody had gone to get quite an expensive procedure done, had come from overseas for this procedure. And in fact, when they went to pay, um, it was well short because the web page had been out of date. And so there are some interesting situations like oh. that. So I think it's always wise to double check the cost of something before you before you agree to it. Before you commit to it, yeah. Um, the third right says that <clears throat> excuse me, people should treat us with dignity. And so the way I unpack that is that we shouldn't feel that we're being condescended to or mm. talked down to 
or um, that people are stopping talking when we enter the room. And then as you leave, you can hear a bit of whispering Mm. or you hear a big laughter, you know, a big peal of laughter and you think they're talking about you. So people need to be acting with us in the way we want to be dealt with and we also that we would be dealing with them. So it's about feeling respected again. But there there are certain ways that that people can make you, can uphold your dignity, like using your name, looking you in the eye Mm. if that's appropriate, Um, you know, checking in how you're doing. So. The third right also says that people have to act in a way that keeps us as independent as possible. So there, there can be a tension there if you've, let's say you've just had some back surgery and you feel rubbish and the mm. physiotherapist is there wanting to get you walking up the stairs tomorrow. So those might be people who would contact our service saying we're feeling bullied. But actually right three says you've got to have your independence retained. So in that scenario, it would have been, my question would be, well, what was the conversation pre-surgery about what yeah. your rehabilitation is going to look like? Because if nobody's talked to you about those expectations, you know, then you weren't properly prepared. It does like from when I've had surgery, it does feel like you're bullied because you feel like rubbish, but actually it's in your best interest. Totally. That you're but not atrophying your muscles and you're, you're Yeah, moving. but it, it, it doesn't feel particularly no. nice. But it, And sometimes is, is quite a lot of your work around perception, people's um, perceptions of how things – and that's quite tricky, isn't it, because it's very individual. I wouldn't use that word. I think that you you and I might be having a different experience right yeah. now. I might think this is going really well and you might be thinking, oh, when's she going to stop talking? So <laughs> I, I'm not thinking <laughs> So I don't like the word perception because it's a bit like, tell me your story. I don't hate oh, the word yeah. story. It implies you've made it up. And uh, right. I, I would far rather say what was your experience than what was your perception. But maybe I'm oh, splitting okay. hairs. I, I think language is important, though. It is mm. because... It, it, yeah, you're, yeah, language is really mm. important. And I think how people uh, present to you and how how they question you mm. as well. Mm. It's like uh, I notice with clients that, that I, I speak to them very differently than sometimes their family do. Yes. Because my expectations of them is actually quite high, yes. quite a lot higher. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting. And it's like, no, that, that's fine, you know. All right. Leave her alone. She can do this. I'm going to plough on because I want to get through all ten. So the, the fourth right is the the right to be treated with appropriate care and skill. So people who are treating us ought to have the qualifications that they claim. Um, they have to act in a way that minimises harm to us and um, increases our quality of life. Mm-hmm. And there's also an obligation that they cooperate with other people involved in our care to give us continuity of care. Yeah. So gone are the days when you say, oh, how dare my doctor talk to my obstetrician or my midwife actually under right four they should all be cooperating to give you the best possible health outcome the next three rights belong together so five Mm -hmm. six and seven together give us informed consent which is what those women that we talked about last time at national women's hospital didn't have so the fifth right says that once you've told people how you need to be communicated with you must be communicated with in that way Mm -hmm. so if i've got a brain injury i might need things written down Uh, if i'm hard of hearing i might lip read so you need to face me Um, I might need an interpreter, in which case, for those of you who don't know this, the DHB's interpreting service provides free interpreters for every rest home, GP service, Dunedin Hospital, Mercy Hospital and Ashburn Clinic. So there's really no reason why somebody who has English as a second language shouldn't be able to have good health support around um, interpreting. Is that for sign language as well? No, this is interpreting. Interpreting is such different. um, It would be worth your while actually finding out what's going on with the relay services. Big changes happening on the 1st of Feb, but that's not my area. So (laughs) 
So the sixth right says that we're entitled to the information we need to, to base a good decision making on. Mm. So this is where that time frames question came in. Okay. So you're entitled to, to know the identity of who's um, providing the service. You're entitled to know what they recommend. So if I'm off seeing okay. a brain surgeon, I would be saying to her, well, would you have the surgery in my case? Legally, yes. she has to tell me. She has to tell us oh, what it's they a re- legal requirement. Yes, it's a legal requirement under right six. We don't have to accept it or agree with it, it. but it's quite nice to know what the experts recommend. Um, okay. they all, we also have um, a right to a written summary of every appointment we attend when we request it. Yep. And I urge everybody to do this. Take your own three questions written down. The first question is, what's your working diagnosis? Don't just say, I'll send you for blood tests. Why? What are you thinking? Oh, well, you might be low in iron. What's your recommendation? Well, mm. we don't know, but you could eat more silver beet in the meantime or whatever yeah. it is. And the third one that we touched on before with the treaty, what happens next? Okay, Gillian, you'll be recalled as soon as I've got your blood test results. When should that be? Within a fortnight. Right. So yep. if that hasn't happened, I'm back on the phone at the end of the fortnight saying yeah. I haven't been recalled. And that way we can be active in trying to make sure that we, we don't slip through the cracks in some of these big systems. It could be quite daunting for people. Yes, it to can be. To be proactive on their own behalf, it can be quite daunting. It can be. But I think if you if you take it down to those basics, mm. what's your working diagnosis? What do you recommend? What happens next? That's the most simplest form of leaving an appointment knowing what the person is thinking, Yeah, what's going to be happening for you, and, and in what time frame. Because if, if your family member rings you a couple of days later to say, how does that appointment go with a specialist? And you say, oh, I've just got more pink pills. What for? <laughs> yeah, what are they? And, what for? And Why? I've, I've talked to people whose whose stories are like, oh, well, no, they said they'll t- come in on the Monday and we'll tell you then. And I've had a weekend. No, of worry. Well, of, of worry. worry. No, that's awful. And, no, I, I mean, that, that was a long time ago, but it's still... No. If you know that you're entitled to full information under right mm. six, please, people, use that right. That's It's 25 years you've had this right. It's, it's time to get active. <laughs> now, the seventh right says that everybody is deemed to have some basic degree of competency. So mm-hmm. I might be in a dementia unit and I might not, excuse me, be able to manage my money or make decisions about how heart surgery, but I can choose what I wear or yeah, what I absolutely. want on my toast. Yeah. So right seven says we all have some basic competency mm-hmm. and unless I have a, a legal guardian through the family court or a, a clinically enacted power of attorney, then I'm in charge of making my own health decisions. But what it says is I can't do that if I haven't had rights six, five and six. So if I don't understand you, if I can't communicate with you yeah, you're not and you're not telling me what the, the options yeah. are, then that won't have been an informed choice that I'm making. So that's the whole the whole crux of the 10 rights is that we are in charge of making our own choices we should be respected treated with dignity know what's going on and understand what's happening so we can make good choices and being given that information in, in a format that we understand is, is really important totally and and for some people it is in written format and you're entitled the eighth right is always misquoted. People say you can bring a support person. All right. It does not say that. It's, it <laughs> says you're entitled to support. There's no there's no numerical limit. If you want three siblings in a, in a room with you at a consultation, mm. if the room's big enough, they should be there. But okay. I urge people, out of courtesy, say who's coming so that yep. there can be enough chairs and, and people can opt out if they had an argument at the pub with you the night before. They yep. might not want to see you the next morning. So please don't ambush, but do not be restricted. Okay. The ninth right, 
none of your health or disability information can be used for teaching or research unless you have given approval and consent. Yes. And the very last right, the right to make a complaint. Everybody has it. If you complain, however you complain, it must be acknowledged in writing within five working days. And then there's a further 20 days while that complaint is investigated. Now, that's been the process for the last 25 years. And people, if you're thinking of doing that, please contact the Advocacy Service. (laughs) You can do that by contacting uh, www.advocacy.org.nz for our website. 0800 555 or the local Dunedin number 03 479 0265. And we cover the whole of Otago down to Clinton. My Invercargill colleague Chris covers Invercargill Queenstown. We cover Wanaka and up to Palmerston. And okay. my Timaru colleague Cynthia covers Oamaru and up to Christchurch. Okay. Right, so we're going to have a wee break from that and we're going to have a musical interlude Everywhere You Go, Take the Weather With You, chosen by Gillian, um, by Crowded House. Everywhere you go 
it's Crowded House with Everywhere You Go. You take the weather with you by Gillian, chosen because... I like the song. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I, I really like the concept that no matter what the weather's doing, if you think about the people that you love in your life, that, that it's always sunny, isn't it? It, it is. makes you happy thinking about people that you care about. So Most of the yeah. time. Um, so now the question for you is why have you been an advocate for so long? <laughs> I have seen many changes yes. and, and people out there, there will be people who have known me as an advocate since 1996. I started on the first day this became law. In fact, I started the day before when I was a patient advocate at um, Southern District ah, Health Board, or it was right. called Otago Area Health Board then. Um, so even though the method of delivering the service has changed so much, the basic work is exactly the same, which is, to me, it's grief work. Everybody who mm. comes through that door is grieving. It's a psychic wound. It, it, yeah. They feel hurt or humiliated or not listened to or scared. Um, and so I think it's a real privilege that they will come and talk to a complete stranger about something really personal. And with that comes a huge responsibility that they're trusting that I won't leave them any worse than, yeah. than when they, they walk through the door or talk to me on the phone. Even if I can't, even if we're not the right agency to support them, it might be a privacy commissioner issue or race relations or something, then okay. at least hopefully we can put them in the right direction. So I love the variety. There's no two days ever the same. You, you, we've got no control over the workload, none whatsoever. I might get 50 calls, I might get none, I might get 30 emails, there might be 12 web requests. Mm. It's never quiet, people. It's a very, very busy role. But it's completely unpredictable. But at the core of it all, it's people, and it's people who want support. And so, I mean, I, I really enjoy hopefully having the knowledge and the skills, most of the time, I hope, that people feel that it's been worthwhile contacting us. And okay. I've built up so many networks over the years that if it's not me, hopefully I'll know agencies that we can refer people to where they can get support. Yeah, it's the, um, I find in my role, the networking mm. is huge because you think, okay, you go there and they'll help you. If you if you can't help somebody, then you can mm -hmm. send them in a different direction. And those networks are always growing. I always ask people to get back to me if the um, network didn't work out well, and that's happened twice with the same person. And oh. I think that was my misunderstanding. It was a brand new agency, and I think that was my misunderstanding about what they did. Oh, okay. Certainly uh, the way their website said they acted wasn't actually what they are now doing. So I, I, if people, if I do refer somebody in the wrong direction, I want to know about it because I don't want to keep doing that. Yeah, that's and, true. and people feeling disappointed and let down. That's not what we're here for. So if so if you're working with someone, you only work for them for the base, for the for that issues length based. of time? Yep. Issues-based. We're always an issues-based service. So some people I've worked with over many years, but hopefully, um, you know, things go well, and then maybe they they might have a relapse for of something's happened, or mm. or something entirely different. They might have that it might be a uh, an issue with a family member who who needs to go into care, and that they okay. might have concerns about the needs assessment process, or whatever it might be. So, um, and I think. So much of what we do is word of mouth. People, if they've had a good experience, particularly in prison health, if, if things go well, then you know that you're going to get lots of other people coming coming towards you. Now, I can't influence it going well or not well. I can't tie the provider's hands behind mm. their back and make them say, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, but hopefully we can get information and clarification and an opportunity to sit face-to-face -face and talk through what's happened. And with all the will in the world, try and make sure that that doesn't happen again for people. Cool. This has been MS Momentum with Valerie and special radio guest Gillian from the Health and Disability Advocacy Team. Many thanks for your time, knowledge and wisdom, Gillian. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And please, people, if you think we can help in any way, please do make contact. Okay. That's us for this month. Yeah.
Otago Multiple Sclerosis Society aims to empower people with multiple sclerosis and their families by providing them with information and skills to participate actively in the community in ways that are meaningful to them. MSOtago.org.nz or give us a call toll free on, on 0508 MS Otago. That's 0508 676 246. Otago Society working for the people of Otago. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.